off and running. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first episode where we will have a special guest on the podcast. So it's not just me and Rainwater ranting for an hour. Now we sh- we only rant for two thirds of the hour. We share the <laughs> ranting. Uh, today we have our good friend Matt on. Uh, Matt was one of the integral cogs. I, I, w- I would even say he was the connective tissue uh, between myself and Rainwater when it came to scam. Right. Because I don't think Rainwater, I don't think you and I knew each other until we connected through Matt. That's correct. Yeah. At one point, we all had 3D design together. I remember that, oh, yeah. didn't we? Yep. Yes. That's it. With uh, Stromberg. Oh, uh, should I not say his name? I don't we matter. We can beep it out, maybe. We, we, have, we have a dedicated a audience man. of like six <laughs> listeners at the moment, and I don't think he's one of them. So. <laughs> yeah, he might be. Who Especially knows? if you take your logo and tilt it and paint it red. <laughs> very dynamic class. That was the yes. only class that I think I ever pulled an all-nighter for. Because I just, and it's not because I'm a like a procrastination type of person. I just didn't want to do things in that class. I don't, I'm okay with like filming or painting or drawing or whatever, but I don't want to build things. It takes too long, too long and they always fall apart and they don't look like how I want them to look. So it was like that Damn. class was a dread to me just to go. And I think it was, <laughs> that was an 8 a.m. class too. I think early that in and, the morning, yeah, yeah it, that was not one of my favorites. So yeah, but <laughs> but I remember us all all kind of joining together in hatred of that class, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Because we Matt, together. Matt, you're you are a traditional two D artist. I am much like Mister Rainwater. I uh, I came up in the sequential art comics side of uh, the SCAD curriculum. Um. Good yeah. old Norris Hall. Norris Hall. You know what? And I don't know if you're aware of this, Rainwater. Norris Hall is no longer sequential art. Oh, what is it now? It's like ESL and like ESL services or something. Oh, okay. And like, I think Sequa went to another building. I'm not sure. But they painted Norris. It's no longer even pink. It's oh, not pink anymore. I miss the big pink building. I know. It makes me sad. Uh, but anyway. Things change. I, I don't miss Case anything about SCAD. Uh, I, <laughs> I have a I, I don't have a a love re- love hate relationship with that college. I frequently will tell anyone who asks that the only positive that came out of going to college there was the friends and connections that I made. Because oh, after yeah. after the fact, I realized everything that I learned. I probably could have gotten by researching on the internet or going to the library or just trial and error on my own. Well, you know what's funny about that, though, is like I've thought about that frequently, right? Because I'm trying desperately to justify the six figures I took out in loans to go there. Yeah. (laughs) But like the people that I met there, you guys included, is like priceless. No, that's true. It's true. You know what yeah, I mean? 100%. Like, because, like, I missed you guys, like, hardcore. Yeah. And so, like, I'm so glad to be here. And, like, I met my, my spouse there, right. you know? Like, yeah. That's um, priceless, too, for sure. Yeah. It's a lot of good stuff. So, it's not like I didn't get anything out of it. And, like, yeah. I remember, like, Rainwater, we went to that free They Might Be Giants concert. Yes. How rich the school was. Yes. That was so amazing. That yeah. Was, like, one of the concerts ever. Yeah, yeah, me and Rainwater I, were in the pit, Joe. Oh it's God. funny because like I, I don't, 
SCAD in general, I don't miss too much, but Norris Hall, I do. Norris Hall yeah. is fun. It had an energy to it that's like, were you going to say, Joe? I, I was going to say that, like, we talk about the friends and the networks, but I think the word that we're looking for right now is the community. Because when I came yeah. back to Connecticut, the re- thing that I realized was everyone here is, and I don't mean this in some kind of stuck-up snobby way, but it's going to sound that way anyway, but they're fucking tasteless. Like, they have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> in terms of art and, and film With and stuff like that. preamble, dude, I thought it was going to at least be put a little lightly. And no. It came out left field. That it, was hilarious. Like, it, 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 was, it was an eye-opening for me, and I feel like that is what moved me forward. And this is actually kind of the topic that we were kind of l- roughly kicking around before we got started was... I got exposed to so much different kinds of art and perspective on art. And it, was, it wasn't it was just some kind of like vapid fucking uh, pretentious views on art. Like everyone there. Not always. Well, okay. The, the fashion department notwithstanding and, you know, most of the film department and this and that. There was definitely a lot of that Whoa. there. But I feel like the authentic artists could find each other there so much easier than you could in wherever the spread out cities that we are now. So like that was valuable to me. Yeah. 100%. I'm sorry, Jada, just step all over you. We step all the time. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Okay. So at any rate, like we kind of name dropped fashion there and like Aaron's minor was fashion. And that kind of exposed me to like a different side of that department. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I learned, cause like she was performing arts and fashion. Uh, talking about my spouse, um, Aaron, um, and it kind of showed me like every single department had like cool, approachable, like socially open people who were pretty accepting. And then every department had like the vocal minority of just like kind of elitist, like segregatory, like yeah. Yeah. kind of people. Cause like our department had that too. And like Jow being yeah, in too. film, like I know yours did, you know, like unbelievable. I don't think there were very many filmmakers that I still keep in touch with. There's, there was a couple of them, but most of the, most of them were obsessive about technical stuff. And they, you know what I mean? Like that was, that was their thing. They weren't there technically about the story <laughs> or the characters, or whatever. They were just obsessed with cameras and chips and like, fucking coding and all this kind of shit and i'm just like eh, that's important to know but like it's got to be in service to other stuff and they all just looked at me like what are you talking about it's just whatever it's it, you know <laughs> you just try stuff and if it works it works and it was just like no there's a way to figure this out like it, that was my yeah. biggest well, issue and i think it was i think it was like episode three Jow, you were talking about um just so in case your listeners want to go back and give that another watch uh, episode three was like you were talking about cameras because Rainwater had asked about what's the best camera to use, right? And like that was kind of when you got into your your view of like the obsession with cameras and tech and how everything went, right? Um, you know, and I mean I found that very useful because I started out as a film student. I remember I that. I think that's how trained. we initially connected. Yeah, yeah, because they put me with uh, my my cherished loved roommate Diego. Um, shout out to Diego. Diego! Um, 
one of the best people I've ever met in my life to this day. Believe it or not. I was not, there for his wedding in not, Costa Rica. Oh my God. I did, we're going to have to talk about that, but just, just not yeah. to cut you off, but we are, we are, I am hoping to ask Diego to come on. And when we do that, I definitely think that'll be one of the rare occurrences. We'll have like four people at once, but maybe if you guys both want to take a break, just Diego and I can hijack your show. <laughs> oh yes. I love that idea. Yeah. So like, my roommate Diego and like they tried to put two scads credit because we all got there kind of around the time before it really got gentrified, I guess I want to say. Mm. Um, they still kind of had the mission in mind when I was a freshman there. Um, and I first stayed in O House, where Zhao, you also did, not to get too off track, but um, they tried to mix it up and put students of different majors next to each other. So there would be some kind of community, but then they limited it. Like O house was like 2d, like illustration, sequa and like film. And that was pretty much it because Mm -hmm. there was a lot of crossover there. And then from there, like you could kind of go wild card and go wherever you wanted after your first year. Mm -hmm. Um, but you and I were next door neighbors, Joe, and then Rainwater came in, I think, the next year because I was in Turner at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. And so I think, because I think I took that class. So going back to the 3D, we're going to circle back. back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I met you at the 3D design class, but I think me and Matt didn't really become friends until a little bit later on. When I started, like, really taking, I guess we both probably started taking a lot more sequel classes or sequential art classes. What's funny about that, though, is did we mention, we were talking about 3D design on the recording, correct? Yeah. Just so the listeners are are hep to that. So I think 3D design is where we actually met. Okay. Because you sat at the table kind of near me and Zhao. That's right. And we're, like, super funny like you are now. And, like, we were both, like, we got to hang out with this guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, like, it just got better. Like, I'm not trying to kiss your ass too much, Rainwater, but, like, the more I talked to each of you, it just got better. So I had no reason to, like, not. And, like, I found out you were sequential, too. And, like, actually, you and I didn't share a lot of sequential classes, Rainwater. No, I don't Um, think we – did we even share any? I camped out with Tom Lyle. Um, rest in peace. Um, yeah, right. Tom Lyle was kind of my my SCAD mentor. Um, him and Ray Goto. Um, yeah, Tom Ray Lyle was big. Awesome. Yeah, Tom Lyle. Here's Ray Goto was awesome like, too. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, and like, just the amount of people in that, de- just our department, Rainwater. And I mean, I wasn't in film long enough to know Jow, so I'm not trying to exclude film, but like, well, there was a lot of people in that department who were really great. Yeah. I really liked a lot of the teachers there and I'm still Facebook friends with a great many of them. Um, you know, until we lost Tom, I was there with him. Um, you know, we lost, uh, David Gildersleeve. Right. Oh, he, wait, he passed away recently. I, th- I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe okay. that he did. I hadn't heard. Okay. I'm not, I'm not in the loop enough to know. But... Um, but I don't know. And then, you know, and I, I started getting like worried too, because like Larison said he had COVID and I'm just like, Oh my God, Larison stay healthy. If anybody you was going to be COVID, it'd be Larison. It'll though. be Larison. Exactly. Cause he's, he's got out, some like, sort of, he's like, alchemical. Yeah. Like, he'd come in and he'd be like, 
oh, this morning, this morning, we're at a morning class. And he's like, this morning, like when the sun was coming up, I was surfing with dolphins. And we're like, <laughs> cool. I mean, that is cool. But that's something I, I would never be caught doing because I love my habits in personal life. See, that's the thing but, that I've noticed is that, and this is something that, that tracks back to when I was at SCAD was, that was my, I almost, at one point, I don't even know if I told you guys this, I actually considered jumping ship from film to sequential because I was envious of you guys because the sequential department felt pretty tight-knit. Yes, like we said before, there were exceptions to, to that rule in terms of, you know, there were people who thought they were hot shit and they really weren't, and then there was people that just kind of kept to themselves or whatever, but for the most part, like with the teachers and everything like that, you guys felt like you belonged with a lot of those teachers and for me in the film department i was the odd man out it felt like i was like the guy like a pledge trying to get into a fraternity and they were just fucking with me constantly <laughs> like the, i had That's no the film department felt yeah I can yeah from experience a little bit yeah and they were they were just shitty people and it, that even goes towards like some not even some most of the professors i don't want to say all of them because i had one or two that i really loved um but it, it it was just it was hard to get into that knit and it was like one of those things where the film department just felt pretentious like everybody there was a dude bro I'm just here to, to make my movie and it's gonna be awesome and da, da, da. and it was just like I well, I don't fit in with it these was people. people who really wanted to be famous really right badly. and that was the difference between being famous and making films were two different goals and that's like a lot of them were just there to get famous like and that was it, it just that, that never occurred to me so i always fell out and that's why i connected with you guys is it was just like okay these guys just do what they fucking love and that's it like they they they, they do it and that's it so like when i when i met you guys it was like a really like it felt like i had found people and then i just like leaned into it hard so we were talking in the first podcast about how I like I suffered an identity crisis, Joker. I don't know if you remember when I thought I was a white rapper when when I was yes, there. Yes, the anonymous, the infamous, the, the infamous, <laughs> the infamous, the infamous, <laughs> the infamous Anjou. That That's right. And then you the kind of Anjou. you converted me into the Batman kid. And when I say converted me, <laughs> I don't say I don't mean like you were like twisting and warping my mind. Like I just gravitated towards that because you were you were like a big time mark for everything the joker and it was like okay i was raised on batman like everybody called me the batman kid and this kid is the joker and i feel like we have this weird like contrasting <laughs> relationship going on and it just it, it fit to me because i was like okay i can be open about this thing that i fucking love and this guy is oh, gonna yeah. like accept me for it so like i started leaning oh, heavily yeah. into that and i remember that there was one defining moment of our relationship at SCAD that I will never forget, which was we were on the balcony at O-House, and you already know where I'm going with this, where I was looking over the balcony, I'd be like, man, wouldn't it be fucking cool to have a cape and jump off of this? And you were like, it's six floors up. No, Joe. <laughs> it was just like this, like... This... I'm like, I'm pretty sure you'd splatter on the ground, man. Yeah, but it, did, it didn't mind because, like, it was one of those things where if I had said that to somebody in the film department, I would have felt embarrassed when they came back with it. But you were just, like, fucking around with me. So I was like, okay, that's a cool idea, but let's come back to reality. <laughs> but then... Well, and that made it into my um, intro to comicking 
uh, class mini comic. I still I have that. that. Was a page in that comic. You I still, still have, have that? it. I still have it. It's oh, on my. Man. It's on my bookshelf now. You gave me two copies. One of them sitting on my bookshelf, and the other one my mom has. <laughs> I gave you two copies. Was I trying to get rid of them? No. Well, <laughs> I had two copies because I wanted one, and then I remember my mother wanted one because she was like, "Somebody put That's you in right. a comic book," and I was like, "Yeah." She's Mrs. like, "I Kisarko want it." Wanted one. Yep. But yeah. so getting back to the topic at hand that I was trying to get at that I was mining forever. Um, Okay. You introduced me into a world of everything that I probably would not have even thought about dipping a toe into when I was at SCAD. Like, I was very close-minded. I wouldn't kind of venture out into different things. I was always like, the fuck anime, I hate. And, you know, it was really just kind of me <laughs> trying to be contrarian or there was only anime yeah. kids that I knew. And you were like, okay, but you need to check out um, – uh, Cowboy Bebop, and you need to check out oh, like, yeah, you do. It, like all this kind of stuff, and like there's like BBC stuff. You introduced me to Red Dwarf, like everything, yeah. that, and then even things Joe, that I can loved. I add, Go can for I add it, to yeah, that yeah, too. Because uh, like I was getting into sequential art, and I had not really read that much stuff before I got into SCAD. Like I had read like uh, what was it, Dark Knight, like the Frank Miller Dark Knight books, in like some manga and like the only thing i'd really read religiously was the sonic the hedgehog comics like that yep. was my jam for a long time mm. and so when i met you you were like you were like the uh the the sage in my mind kind of guiding me through like here's fucking comic books dude like <laughs> who me <laughs> yeah yeah dude because you introduced yeah. me to so many indie like dudes like sam uh was it sam keith who did the max and Hell like yeah. Yeah, that's um, one of my favorites. I didn't get into Sandman until I met you. I didn't really learn about like Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing, which was mind-blowingly that, awesome. That yeah. broke it all open for me. Like I was a completely different artist after that point. Yeah, guys- which then inspired the uh, the DC Universe the the miniseries Swamp Thing that recently dropped. Yeah. It was a couple years ago. Funny so- story about that. Like they. <laughs> They went over budget on that. Did you guys hear about that? That's kind of uh, joins film and comics. So I figure it's apropos. Like, yeah. um, they w- they thought they were given one budget by the studio, so they went all out and made the best possible thing art wise that they could make with it. And then the studio's like, "Wait a second, what number did you hear for your budget?" And they were like, <laughs> um, "This number." And they're like, "No, we didn't give you two feature films worth of money for this." And then, so, like, they they tanked pretty hard. It was going to go an ongoing series. And then, I had, you know. I had heard that they were making it. I didn't realize that it got made, though. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, it's on uh, DVD and Blu-ray skis. If you're, you know. You're talking about the, swamp, the swamp, thing, swamp Thing TV show that recently came out, correct? It was, like, yeah. on a mm-hmm. DC platform, kind of like a, the Disney Plus kind of thing. I remember, I heard about it. DC I didn't Universe. watch it. No plug, though. I heard that <laughs> it was, like, a James, like, James Wan was involved with it, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and then they like it was weird because they dropped like three episodes, and they were like they were episodes like two, three, and four. They didn't do the first one. Then they went back and did the first one. Then they dropped the rest of the season, and then they held off on like the last episode for like two months, and then it came back. And it was like a total shit show. It's like how do you expect something like that to 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 thrive? But I'm sure, I'm sure in the age of the internet, because we've touched on this before with other topics, I'm sure it's going to find an audience, and I wouldn't be surprised if it gets some kind of 
you know, revival. But the, the fact of the matter is, is Warner Brothers and HBO Max is a fucking mess at the moment. So I'm not optimistic <laughs> about anything coming back to life. But I, I I'll tell to... you what, though. I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Launch go. into it. I was going to ask you. No, no, no. I... You had good momentum. I'm not killing it. No, no, no. <laughs> I was going to ask you because we were talking before you before you even jumped on the call, uh, Matt Joker. Um, th- th- it's one. integral to every artist to expose themselves, th- their viewership to <laughs> other period. Yeah, to, yeah, period. <laughs> to to new yeah. forms of art and this cool. and that, like. I'm curious to know where do you discover this stuff because if I like if I needed a reference like if I needed to ask something like where can I find some things to draw from like you were like the go-to yeah. guy and I'm curious to know how do you find those things do you know what I mean like do you have someone that you go, that you look up to or are you just constantly looking for new shit like like what's your research like approach how do you how do you absorb so much stuff <laughs> Um, I think my being, and not to get too woo-woo on this, but I know, like, Rainwater, you'll probably be with me. Oh, I'm Guam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm, like, Virgo-y. I like being Virgo-y, so I have to, like, see it, catalog it, what are more things? Yeah. What are more things to catalog, and then link to this and this and this. And, like, I've always had a passion for showing people things I think they'd like. And, like, I really like, when it's, like, a gift-giving occasion, and you can ask Aaron this if you guys talk, like... I like giving gifts way more than I like getting them because I like picking out the perfect gift for somebody that I care about that I know that they will like and that, that even even better if they never heard of it. Uh, you did that for me, actually. I wore a gift that you got for me just a week or two ago. Uh, there was a, a, oh, yeah. a Batman screen printed shirt that had the, the fake muscles and like the Keaton emblem and this and that. <laughs> and I didn't fit into it for a while, but I found it. And then we did a photo shoot with my whole family wearing Batman shit. But I remember picking it up and going, Oh yeah, Joker gave me this. And like, that was never anything that I would have even thought to, that would have existed. <laughs> and you were able to find it. There were so many things that you exposed me to. And if we even want to, to ride the joke of exposure, I don't know. I feel like Rainwater was there for this, but I remember you specifically. You know <laughs> where a lot of rain. I think you know where I'm going with this. I remember specifically, it was me, you, Aaron, and I think Rainwater, possibly Diego. We sat down and we watched a porn together. It was this. We did. Oh, that's right. The Pirates. high quality Pirates. pirate porn, and I was just. It was one of those things. Where it was like, how the fuck does someone find this? <laughs> Here's the thing, and I knew about that only because I had heard it was like a big budget. It was like one of the first big budget pornos, and it was going to have um, CG skeleton warriors in right. it, which like that appealed to my uh, my sequential art uh, <laughs> bent a little bit. But like, and it's funny you mentioned that too, because Aaron and I consider that like our first unofficial date, even though she was technically dating someone else at the time, <laughs> because. I didn't make any moves. Nothing happened. We were all good. We're not shitty people, but and we were. We all did have a lot of fun. Horribly going to that uncomfortable. Shop the mass. We were yeah. all horribly uncomfortable that night. We were. It was like six of us in a room watching people <laughs> bang, and it was just like, I know this is art school My- and college is where you're supposed to experiment, but this is a little out there for me. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it would be a lot funnier if we were all, and it, in the end, it's all about being funnier. It's it's. 
Yeah. It'd be a lot funnier if we all watched this together. And I know it was really awkward, and I knew that. And that's where the funny came from. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was look how uncomfortable Jow is. He's got to have like a, like a fucking pillow on his lap because he doesn't want to show a boner. Well, because <laughs> oh. <laughs> for the record, he did not have a boner. I don't remember. I, I just rem- not I vague. I just remember the night. I don't remember specifics from the night. I think I have like PTSD trying to block it out of my head, where it's just like. I watched porn with seven people. It's weird. So, <laughs> on the actual, um, on the actual thing, my biggest complaint with it, my biggest critique of that, wasn't the big budget. They they used it well, and I thought the costumes were good. I thought the skeleton warriors were yeah. as good as you would expect to be in a porno. You know, like yeah. um, for skeleton warriors as they go, but like it was not varied enough. Mm. And that's all I'll say, because I think this is going to get blue really quickly. <laughs> I really think... Oh, Jow, you were in color for a second. Oh, was I? I I've tried yeah, to... Yeah, magic. I, I tried to uh, to uh, hook my hotspot on my phone to the computer, and it went seamlessly. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's happening, but my color is terrible. If you noticed in the last YouTube, I went full black and white, because Skype does not care. But we're using some new equipment to, to our listeners, so... Uh, chances are Rainwater and Joker are going to sound like they're coming in through a Skype call, but I'm going to have crystal clear audio this episode. So it's all Sorry, about guys. me anyway for our <laughs> listeners. For well, the... something, something else, uh, so in terms of just talking about exposing to stuff or whatever. Um, so hmm. like you are, you, both you and Aaron are both responsible for popping my Rocky Horror Picture Show cherry. Me too. Because yes. y'all, me too. y'all. Y'all brought me to like the first I'd ever watched the whole thing, and that has something that has slowly over time grown into an obsession for me. Where I was like, "Oh, I like that," and then like this year, like all Halloween, that soundtrack's all I started listening to. Hell yeah, you did! And then I started getting into Shock Treatment, which was like the yes. And I was so surprised that I liked it because I was I like, love "Shock Treatment." When I first heard like um, I can't remember the name of that song, but it's like. Um, Oh, Blender. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what the name of the song Micro is. Micro Digital Awaker. I didn't like it initially because I was like, this isn't really like Rocky Horror Picture Show because I was thinking about, oh, I want it to be the same thing. But yeah. then I watched the whole movie and I was like, oh, I get it. Like, this is the same sort of ideas mutated into like 1980s aesthetics and like taken further. And I was like, uh, it's kind of sad because I wish there could be for every decade like a kind of a Rocky Horror by exactly. uh, Richard O'Brien. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, mad props to Richard O'Brien. That guy is a genius. And like, because you've seen Flash Gordon too, right, Rainwater? He uh, shows up in there. I haven't seen all of Flash Gordon. So Motherfuck! I know. That's I'll tell you, man. I need to the be list. there with y'all to show you this stuff. Like, um. <laughs> But Richard O'Brien's in Flash Gordon as well. He's like a sidekick character to Timothy Dalton's Prince of the Forest kind of okay. guy. <laughs> um, it's a fun time. I dig that's it. That's the but... one that Queen does the soundtrack for, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And see, that's the, that was the beauty of You Joker was that it wasn't so much, hey, do you want to come over and watch this? It was, hey, sit <laughs> down watch this. And then you just put in a disc Damn. or something and it was like, there was no choice. We had to get like we had to watch something, but you instinctively would know what worked because, like, once you found out that I was into Batman the Animated Series, you started talking to me, oh, did you watch the Justice League? I'm like, 
I didn't even know there was one. He was like, oh, fuck, this is what we're doing for the next two weeks. And we binged the shit out of it. And then, like, it wasn't even just that. It would be, you would start going, like, you would put an IMDb trivia page to shame with the stuff that you knew about Bruce Tim and the production and all that stuff. Like, your knowledge was fucking vast about literally everything that we talked about. It, it got to the point where there were some other friends, because, you know, when you are when you have a, a friendship, you usually try to mix groups of different things. Certain friends yeah. would just be like, I can't hang out with Joker. That kid fucking knows everything. And it's just like... Well, yeah, but what's wrong with that? Like, he's, like, like just exposing other stuff. And it's like, yeah, but it's annoying. To me, it wasn't. Like, I was fucking thirsty for all that shit. So, like, it was, it, it was incredible, like, how well you knew stuff about literally everything. And then you could connect that tissue about, like, oh, if you like this, you like this. You like this, you like this. And not everything yeah. hit. Like, I, I, I don't watch anime. No. I, I tried Cowboy Bebop. I tried, I think you it was did. Death Note, I think it was, you tried to get me to watch. Is that, Maybe. I, I don't know, it's got the weird guy that looks like Hades or something. Yeah, that would be Death Note. Yeah, I think, you, I think you tried to get me to watch that too, and it didn't work. But, like, there were things <laughs> that, I, like, I would watch Cowboy Bebop, and I was like, all right, this is actually pretty decent. Like, I'm not in love with it. Yeah. I don't watch it or whatever. Yeah. But I was able to admit that there was an anime that I didn't fucking loathe outside of Pokemon. And you were like, well, at least we got you away from Pokemon. So, <laughs> Well, and to go back to like your original question, right? We're, we're going to rein it back into the central, like the format, yeah. the question and answer. Like I did have a lot of people I owe that to that I, I mimicked that off of. Because um, ultimately like each of us is kind of just a conflagration of like people that we meet, right? Like we carry like yeah, a sure. piece of them with us. Yep. For sure. Um, like I had a friend in high school who was kind of like the patriarch of our whole group. He was like the king of drama club kind of guy. Um, and he was like, Mr. Knows it, can get it for you, knows how to do all the stuff and you'd like this. And, and I really looked up to him because I was like really shy in my first year of high school. And like, I aped a lot of my personality off of him at that point in time. Mm. Um, and like, you know, you fall apart, you know, with people and you know, you don't talk to him for a while or whatever. Like he and I probably haven't talked in geez over 10 years, you know, but yeah. um, that part of him still with me. And like, um, like the Bruce Tim stuff, I really owe a lot to um, my friend Rob in Ann Arbor. Um, he was like a big band guy. Like he was in a lot of like band stuff and I'd see him play, but he was like really into like uh, MST3K and he was really into um, like Bruce Tim stuff, like all of that kind of universe. And like he showed me what was good there with the Bruce Tim stuff in particular. Um, I had already kind of been watching MST because, like, who, what, what nerdy kid did yeah. not watch that? Right. It's yeah. pretty great. Um, and I mean, that goes for Joel Robinson. That goes for Mike Nelson. Yeah, the whole, you know. the whole gang. Yeah. Um, I was not. I will say, I was not a big fan of the newest permutation of it. Um, I I'd love to talk about that too at some point because that's really? like, it's interesting because it is so different, right? In terms of, in terms of, yeah. they changed the tempo of it. And that that change of tempo actually kind of, in my mind, at least from what I'm used to, kind of hurts my appreciation of the jokes. And like, yeah, like I, if they were gonna do something like that, 
and I'm not going to bash on anybody because it's yeah. not my place, but you're going to think of it as a critique. Yeah. If, if they were going to do something like that, I wish they would have just made like a, um, Oh, there goes Joe. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're by ourselves. We're now two hosts. All right. So these two mats, these two mats.com. Um, so <laughs> I heard that I'm back. I, w- <laughs> I heard that. What are you kids doing in there? Um, so, where was I going? I ruined your trailer. I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) So, I wish they would have made a show that was like an homage to MST if they were going to do something like that. Yeah. Where it was like its own new thing. Like, don't don't prance out the same puppets, but they have completely different voices for like the third time in their history. Yeah, I got what you're saying. Um, third or fourth time because I mean I remember back to this this season zero of MST episodes when they were on cable access. Yeah, they did have different voices for the robots, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Because one of them was the one of the Mads was different. One of the villains was different. It was yeah. like there was either three of them or it was like a different guy. Um, I've know. seen like one. I've seen like one of those episodes, and it was it was kind of weird because it was like they were still figuring out the format and the formula and whatever. I mean, it evolved, right? And yeah. It's it's kind of like the new MST3K sort of. It feels like a lot of reboots and remakes where it's like we want to try and do the uh, ah oh it's all this nostalgia stuff, you know, <laughs> but not necessarily evolving on the format entirely like mm-hmm. they evolved in some ways i liked i really liked the addition of like the ska band you know like oh yeah i like that and um i kind of liked what they did a little bit with uh was it pearl's clone like that whole thing like that's kind Is of that fun the felicia day's character yeah yeah like that's yeah. kind of fun but like well uh, and i mean it it had every it had a lot of things that could have been good like um, the Mads were like Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. Yeah. I mean, they're great. It's great picks. You know, great yeah. picks. Um, the intro was rad as fuck with like yeah. the like rock band, you know, like you're kind of saying, you know. Sure. And like the whole evil henchman thing was cool. I There were cool things about it. Yeah. It's just, you know what turned me off? There was one moment that turned me off and I've never gone back to it. <laughs> it's the first, <laughs> which is a good practice. Just as soon as something makes you uncomfortable, never go back to it, kids. Um so the one thing that turned me off about it was um they made servo fly up in the theater yes and over to the top of the screen yes and i'm like wait a second no because he always whenever they carried him if you know your mst lore if you know the lore um the reason that Mike or Joel carries him in and puts him in the chair in real life is because he's a puppet, right? And he has to put him on Kevin Murphy's hand. But in the show, they said that he had to be carried over a vent in the floor because his hover skirt would not allow him to go over it. Oh. And then if you go ahead and say, hey, we got a guy from Nerdist and he's in a yellow suit and Netflix is doing it and look at the big shiny, we're going to take the thing that all the nerds liked and we're going to give it to all the popular people mm. and you just completely erase that part of it that that right there shows me you're being disingenuous to the original spirit of the thing right right no, i got you 
And I feel like that's going on with a lot of things now, like the reboot oh, yeah. and the remakes. And I the, was you know. literally just about to point that out, and I don't even think it's just reboots and remakes. I think that some of the stuff that they did... Um, so, obviously, I know you're going to be up on this, but The Walking Dead. When that first... Mm-hmm. When the show first came out, I was, like, mm-hmm. all in. I was 100% in on that show. And somewhere yeah. early in season two... They they had fired Frank Darabont, who was really the driving force in getting it going, and yeah. shit started falling apart for me. Like I remember specifically, and this is to your point about one thing is like the, the straw that cap- breaks the camel's back. There was a, uh, an episode where I think Shane and like, like this big like fat hunter guy or whatever were like up against a brick yeah. wall, and there was like a cage of zombies in front of them reaching through, and it's like literally back against the wall. They're caged in. How are they going to get out of it? Cliffhanger or whatever. And then it goes to credits, and it's like, oh, i got to watch the next episode. And it comes on the next episode, and Shane and the Hunter are running down a hallway. And I was like, what the fuck? How did they get out of that situation? And it's just like, oh, and I talk to people about that now when they're trying to tell me, oh, you need to watch Walking Dead. It gets really good. I'm, I'm like, no, it, it fuck that show. Because if you're going to take those kinds of shortcuts and, you know, just kind of fuck, like, the storytelling, like, I don't want to be involved. I'm not giving you my attention, my money, my time, whatever. And sure. I feel like that's happening with a lot of properties when they do it, like, even with Star Wars. Like, like me and Rainwater were talking about Last Jedi and this and that. There's so many liberties taken these days where it feels like they're thumbing their nose at the core fan base in order to expand. Which I get it. That's the business model. And that makes sense. You got to make the profit back for, a you know, a $500 million movie. But at the same time, like, I don't feel like there, a lot of them are looking at the long-term implications of it they're looking for the quick cash grab to make back the money as opposed to cementing something that they can build on in the future because most of these executives and most of the storytelling are like i need to get my money now because when i get when i get out of here i'm not making royalties off of this shit and the studio fuck the studio you know what i mean so i'm I'm curious to know your take on some of maybe the biggest violations because you're a connoisseur of all things comic book and, and, and at least God. to me, at least to me, I so, sound like such a douchebag. You're not a douchebag. <laughs> you're like the most knowledgeable, like sequential comics person that I know. And it like it, it cross pollinates with between film and comic books. So I'm curious to know from your opinion, what is like some of the biggest violations that some franchises have made in the past decade of comic adaptations? What would you say are some of the biggest uh, missed opportunities to do it right. I'm going to take that in a little different direction. So, oh, that ding was perfect with your thumbs up. Awesome. <laughs> Viewers, we have sound effects now. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of changing formats and the annoyance of reboots and remakes, not potentially respecting source material as much Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of nerds get in the weeds about that and i say nerds with the highest respect i consider myself a nerd um nerds are great and i i love all of you for for being that way but i think people get lost in the weeds a lot on that yeah and they focus too much on the differences they focus on And it kind of, I'm going to get woo about this too. Like it kind of goes to like what's going on in the country right now. We're, we're too divided. All Mm -hmm. of us are too divided in this country. Like 
we have to draw hard lines against other people with like, this is the right way because it's my way and that's your way and it's not the right way. And I, I think that's kind of a toxic way to think about stuff. Okay. Sometimes. It doesn't help. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And even with something like trivial, like fiction, right? Like uh, media that's supposed to just entertain us. Um, you know, I love the original Star Wars and the expanded universe and all the novels and the comics. Mm -hmm. And all of those were pretty much cast aside by and large when they came about with episodes seven, eight and nine. Um, and I mean, that that was a decision they made because that was the decision they made. I mean, it's the yeah. end of it. Right. Um, it made me sad, but it also I like Star Wars. So I was willing to give seven, eight and nine a shot and see what they're doing with the new stuff. And by and large, I'll say I liked it. I enjoy what they are doing now with the stuff. Um, You're talking about like fair. The Mandalorian? I love The Mandalorian. Um, I think Mandalorian is... Even saying that I, I just said I like 789, which I do. Mm -hmm. But I do think The Mandalorian more accurately captures that original excitement that all of us had seeing Star Wars and Return of the Jedi and Empire... Um, which I know I said those out of order, nerds, you know, you know one, two, you know, four, five, and six, um, you know, and because, I mean, it kind of ramped up with the prequels, right? We all had the Pepsi cans and the, you know, the little uh, midi-chlorian chips that came yep. with the action figure. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, there was, there's always a lot of hype around things and like, it can be good and bad, but I think what we're losing by completely casting aside the new stuff is what new audience members that we would have a chance to bond with and enjoy something with are picking up out of that being their first experience. Mm. Um, like, I think especially like, I know, I mean, I may be speaking out of turn here, but from what I gather on social media, a lot of uh, LGBTQ plus a, you know, and I'm trying to say it correctly. I'm not trying to lampoon it. Um, that community are finding a lot of great role models in a lot of For the sure. newer stuff yeah. because it's being written with that in mind. And it's not just something that you have to try to find in the crevices or in the background of what was made prior, which there is that stuff too. And it's sure. great if you can find it, but I feel like they need someone to identify with too. And for, you know, kind of the classic, nerds who were there from kind of the beginning i wasn't there from right at the beginning i was born in the year after jedi but um i think to cut that off is to cut off all those people and and kind of passively invalidate their experience um that's no, a good i understand what at. you're saying yeah. yeah yeah i i uh i was gonna comment on that and just say like it's interesting because i was just I was thinking earlier today. Uh, I'm gonna kind of. We're gonna get back to this initial point, but I'm gonna go sure. way out. Shut That's up. the way the show. I was. I was I've listening been, to. Uh, I've been watching as you should too. I was listening to Led Zeppelin today, and I was thinking to myself uh, while I was working, and I was like, "What was it like for the person who like, for the people who grew up listening to like hard rock and Led Zeppelin for the first time culturally, right? Mm. Yeah. Like, what was it like to like?" Because that had never, that kind of music had never really existed in that format, in that kind of way previously, and it must have been really bonding for a lot of people who were like, you know, 
oh, my mom thinks this stuff is shit. She doesn't let me listen to it at home or whatever. I have to listen to it on the radio, whatever, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like kind of going back to what you're saying. It is like the thing about these cultures is they are great bonding experiences for people. And there are like my whole thing with Star Wars is like with the, the most recent trilogy is like my complaints about them have nothing really to do with um, with the way that they used the the license. It had more to do with, like, I just found the first episode and the last episode to be kind of boring or confusing or, like, not going in a place that I would have preferred in terms mm-hmm. of, like, the narrative. Because right. I really wanted Kylo Ren in in Ray stuff to like work out in this particular way and didn't work out in that way. Mm-hmm. Last Jedi I thought was like the shit for me because I'm a degenerate <laughs> and I want to see the Jedi scrolls being burned and Yoda like, you know, like that for me was like, I'm happy. I'm a pig and shit. Like you've made, I couldn't ask for a better star Wars movie now because it's all this Jedi drama that I've been wanting in this story. And that was, that was the thing for me. Yeah different for everybody right like some people yeah. really like the re- the the rebellion storyline you know i didn't care for the rebellion storyline in the whole thing but a lot of people did like that it it fit with them it felt fit with how they were feeling especially during the years that those movies were being made i'm sure like that was really uh something that they felt some kind of compersion or affinity to you know what i you mean you know what's funny like hearing you mention that rainwater is like if i know one thing about you man it's you're a really spiritual dude like you're <laughs> you're into like kind of like the out there like the like what do i want to say the steve ditko dr strange like yeah, right. exploring the bounds of where we're going as a human spirit right yeah, and like that's, always, that's the shit that interests me for sure yeah but, uh, no, that's cool. And, like, so I can definitely see why, like, the the tumultuous nature of Jedi and Sith appealed a lot to you. And, like, seeing something as big as the scrolls being burned is was, like, significant for you. And I, I definitely understand that. And it was pretty rad. I'm not going to take anything away from that. Um, the And you mentioned the rebellion part not really hitting yeah. for you as strongly. Yeah. That hit the strongest for me in all of the Star Wars movies. And in the, like, what was it, episodes one, two, and three, I felt the the, the omission of that. Like, there was no... Oh, sure. Because, I mean, there was no Empire, right? So yeah, who were right. they going to rebel against? Yeah. Right. That There's a reason there's no rebellion. But, like, I missed that. Yeah. Like, I'm... Like, if I am if I picked a character out of the very first movie, episode four, A New Hope, I, I'm a Han Solo guy. Sure. I like the guys who live in the cracks between Jedi and Sith and Empire and Rebels. They're just trying to earn a buck, man. And, and, and I will say, ship, yeah, you know, right? I love. Him. I will say, I did like Poe Dameron a lot as a character. He's a Hell really yeah. Character. Like that Oscar is Isaac is genius in a lot of things. Yeah. So I got a question but, for for mm. Matt the Joker, um, and mm. this is kind of interesting because uh, again, I go back to the connective tissue thing. Rainwater is a very sequential artist kind of guy. I'm a very mm-hmm. film kind of guy. You're a right. little bit in the bo- in the middle of that. You know what I mean? Like you kind of dabbled in both of them because we, I mean, it, more so sequential than the film. But you, I mean, it's not like you're completely out of that realm. So I'm curious to know 
Um, we had kind of talked about, I think we talked about this in a prior episode. You'd probably know better than I do because I don't really listen to them after I post <laughs> them. But Sure. Do you find yourself as, you know, an artist and a storyteller, because, you know, you are, um, when you're watching things, and this is kind of going back to the question I was talking about missed opportunities when you're adapting things, you've got a, a, a firm foot probably in both mediums. Do you ever get frustrated when you're watching it going, I could do better than that? Because whenever I'm watching shit, the filmmaker in me is very egotistical and I'm just like, and people hate seeing movies with me now because it's just like <clears throat> my level of standard is just so fucking high because I'm so egotistic. I'm like, yeah, but they could have done this and this and this and this and this and this and this. I would have done that. Do you find yourself frustrated sometimes when you're watching stuff? Because I mean, I'm not saying you're as egotistical as I am because I don't know anybody who's as egotistical as I am. But is is it frustrating to you at, you know, being an artist <laughs> not you know being able or knowing so much about so much of this stuff and seeing things that are great that don't get explored is it frustrating you know having that that depth of knowledge and seeing things just completely neglected yeah i mean a lot of things get whizzed down their legs right like they just have the biggest best opportunity and they just whiz it right down their pant like you know like mm. um and it's just a puddle on the floor when you do experience it in the theater seat you paid twenty dollars to sit in. Yeah. Um and like by and large, I'm I'm anti-rich person. So like I think the studios, you know, it's not a secret. The studios are to blame. They want a profit margin, they want right. this, they want that. Um, you know, and sometimes it works out for the better. I was just talking to Aaron the other night about how the in the movie Big, I heard with Tom Hanks. I heard that, um, and, and, you know, unsubstantiated, so please do your own research, <laughs> audience. Um, I heard that the original uh, ending for that movie, they wanted the woman to go up to Zoltar after Tom Hanks got returned to being a kid and wish to be a kid again so that she could be with him. Um, and the ending of that movie as it was, was already weird. Right. Because we, right. the whole time we knew this was a little kid that she was like, yeah. kind of like wanting to jump his bones. Right. And we're just like kind of squirming in our seats a bit, Yeah. but then it just ended up jumping on a trampoline and everything's cool. Um, but I think it would have been weirder if she would have given over her adult life and gotten back to being a kid because it's like, now she's a homeless kid. Her parents are elderly. Where is she going to go? Is she going to be his sister? Because then that's weird. Right. Is she his new foster sister? Like, you know, and in terms of, like, things going... Because the student... And my understanding is that the studio forced them to be like, no, he goes back to being a kid and it's bittersweet and the end. And that's how it goes. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, it was still weird, but it was it was better that way than if... Than all the questions raised by her magically becoming a kid out of nowhere in the third act. Yeah. Because you're introducing a new plot element in the third act that we then want to explore. And it's not a Lord of the Rings style movie where we have another hour and a half to go. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, you know, so but, what you're saying is sometimes that, that, that it's good to have that kind of box? It can be. I think, like anything, it can go either way. I guess is my answer more than anything, succinctly, is it can go... The studio can ruin something and the studio can improve something. Mm. Sure. Um, 
But I would say in, that the balance of that is ruining it or improving it. I was going to say the they, balance they of that. They care about is, how much money they're going to. Yeah, make. that and that usually ends up being the poor decision. But I agree with you that yeah. some that sometimes I would say nine, maybe eight times out of ten, that's the wrong decision. But like two of those times, it's like, oh no, they needed to dial back the artist a little bit. Like they were going to go too wonky. Now I, I'm okay with wonky. I, I you know, it, it's it's sure. refreshing every now and then. But no, I agree with you on that. Um, we're kind of getting well, towards. Before oh, we get off of that, sure. Just before we get off of that, like they. They, they're going after the profit, but they're basing that on the lowest common denominator mm. because yeah. they're constantly marketing to who's, you know, Joe Smith, you know, works, you know, 10 hours at the plant and then wants to take his kids to a movie or wants to take his wife to a movie. And is he going to understand it? Is he going to be familiar with the references? Is he going to, you know, and yeah. then you get to something like Star Wars, like we were talking about with a rich history where you kind of have to do the homework or something like Marvel, where you kind of have to have been on the MCU ride since 2008 with Iron Man to really get everything. Yeah. And like people have hard resistances to that, but at the same time, I don't think it's bad that those things exist Mm. because those things are for the people who are on that ride. And if you're not on that ride, I feel like they should be giving you things that are for you as well, or, you know, don't require that much of a lead time, in movies to watch before you go see it you know i feel like they should if they're providing a service they should they should be providing quality examples of both of those elements like if if you're wanting to go you know full mouse house disney star wars you know wonder blast like everything yeah okay great have it be connected connected to netflix connected to hbo max or disney plus now or wherever you want to great but know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where like, um, like the DC movies, for instance, are, are kind of lacking. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And it's clear because they, you know, I'm very excited about Robert Pattinson being Batman because I feel like he's going to bring a lot to the role. And I feel like the, and Jow may have different opinions. He's the Batman kid. Um, yeah, I'm you do. fascinated to hear. That's a whole okay. podcast in itself. Me and you going, ba- <laughs> go, going all in on Batman. But I'm, I'm excited about that because I think it will offer something new. But then they're also saying, well, Ben Affleck is still going to be Batman. And then we're going to cast a third person as Batman. Michael Keaton's Wait coming back. So in the same – and Mike, yes, Michael Keaton, which we're all happy about that. We love 89. I mean, we being, the you know, you and I, Joe, at least, if not right. Rainwater as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I'm excited about Michael Keaton. I love the guy. His performances are great. Um, but they're going to have three people playing Batman in one like sector of movie. Like, you know, it used to be, you get one person being a certain hero for five to 10 years, Yep. you know, but then it started like Andrew Garfield with Spider-Man for like a hot three years and then done. And then, you know, it became MCU time. Um, now they're talking about having every Spider-Man who's ever existed in the same movie for some reason, along with 18 villains. Um, I feel like that's going to go right over the cliff. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of hubris. I feel like, I feel like you know, the hubris is going to be what kills Spider-Man. It's not going to be the Green Goblin. It's going to be hubris. Hmm. Sure. It, you know, <laughs> uh, in line with theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I mean, it's a character about guilt, 
but you know true um i guess to wrap up my points lowest common denominator marketing data can ruin media for people who are interested in the narrative fair enough all right so we got about five minutes left on a recording um i want to tap into your potential here and this is just going to be completely me and rainwater and we didn't prep for this and we probably should have prepped you for this because i'm putting you on the spot but i'm curious to know because like i said you were the guy that introduced us to things that we weren't exploring or, or we didn't know about or anything like that. So I'm curious, in in because we've just caught up today, like we haven't talked to each other in at least a decade ish. Um, <laughs> what what kind of stuff? I want you to to throw out a couple of maybe comics or movies that you feel maybe either me or Rainwater might like or some of the artists that listen to our show would like that might be beneficial to them. What's some obscure shit that's really hardcore quality that you could recommend, uh, it really in any medium? Like Name some artists or maybe some, some avenues that maybe all of us should go and explore because if there's anybody that can recommend some good shit, it's you. So what, what's, oh, what's well, off thanks, the radar buddy. right now that really should be on the radar? <sighs> I watch a lot of old stuff and I watch a lot of like what people would categorize as trash. Um, so I don't know if you want that stuff because I find trash very entertaining because it's, I it's want a trash. <laughs> <laughs> I love trash. Um, I got to pay Sesame Street a billion dollars now. Um, so the trash stuff, I mean, I like stuff like Hen and Lauder's like Frankenhooker. I don't know if you've seen Frankenhooker. No, I haven't even heard of that. I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah, check out Frankenhooker. I've heard of Good it. Stuff. I have not checked it out. Um, this is in the Good Movie column. This is not trash. This is a Good Movie column. Um, Face in the Crowd. Have you guys seen Face in the Crowd? No, negative. Um, it. I think it just went off HBO Max, so this is not a proper time for me to be suggesting it. But I liked it so well, I went out and got the Criterion uh, Collection disc of it okay. uh it stars andy griffith of andy griffith show fame oh shit uh but he is a sociopathic self-destructive um rock star uh country what, rock star. what? Yes. <laughs> um, i need this is, immediately incredible in that movie like um what's it called again it's called a, F- a face in the crowd and it's on criterion collection and it was recently streaming on hbo max but it was in the like you better watch this because we're taking it off. Yeah, like, yeah. And I've always wanted to see it, but I've never wanted to pay Criterion prices to like roll the dice on that. I hear that. Right. Um, it really, really good, and it actually got a purchase out of me just watching it. Um, trying to go fast. I'm sure we're through our five minutes almost. No, you got you got time. Oh, in the trash column. Here's the thing. I will shout out another podcast if that's all right with you, gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Um, how did this get made is where I find a lot of my trash. Um, I've heard of that podcast. I haven't yeah, listened to it. It's by Paul Shear. Um, he's a comedian from Human Giant. Um, he's now working a lot with Marvel. Um, Jason Manzukis, who is one of the funniest, smartest guys on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. He's always entertaining. And uh, June Diane Raphael, who is Paul Shear's wife. Um, and and a, an accomplished actor. She is not just Paul Shear's wife, but um, she's very... Um, she kind of she's joined Jane Fonda in a lot of social issues. Yeah, and she's also in the show Grace and Frankie. If you end up liking her on the podcast, um, so that is that. Um, and in the show category, as long as we're talking about shows, um, 
new show I've really glommed onto and watched the whole season about four times in a row. Um, it's only six episodes, but um, Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Okay, I'm writing I've that never down. even heard of it. Where? What platform is this, is a, this on? Is this a BBC show? It is, no, it is on Netflix. Okay. Um, huh. It is a three-man, well, it's technically a five-person group, but it's a three-man in front of the camera um, comedy troupe from Australia. And um, they're friends with a lot of the comedy Bang Bang people. And um, like uh, Ed Helms from Saturday Night Live is executive producer on it. Um, And there's a whole gag with his name that I won't spoil for people, (laughs) uh, but it's very funny. Um, And I watch, I routinely rewatch that show waiting for the new season. So if by chance they end up hearing this um, new season, please, um, (laughs) would be great. Don't get your Um, hopes up. Netflix is, is, fucking notorious for here's two seasons of a really great show bye because <laughs> if they if, well, if i could get another season of santa clarita diet i would be fucking clapping <laughs> erasers to get that shit made <laughs> but um yeah i mean it's i mean they were they had a very significant youtube presence even before they got picked up by netflix so if you know if they lost the netflix show they would still be doing stuff i, I guarantee it um I could recommend stuff forever, so I'm sure I'm through. <laughs> what do we get? We, we got a movie. We got a TV show. We got a podcast. Is there? Oh, how about a comic? Is there a, a good comic that you can recommend? Ooh. A lot of my comics are old comics right now. Oh, but I've really liked um, Hickman's run on House of X, Dawn of X, like all the X Men stuff. Hmm. Um, it's very polarizing. People love it or hate it. Uh, but he is Rainwater. I think you're really going to vibe on it being an Alan Moore Swamp Thing fan. Yeah, I liked um, I did like Hickman's run on um, Fantastic Four. I think it was Shield because he went he Shield, did a yeah. yeah, he did a run with Dustin Weaver, who was another artist I interned with for a little bit. And um, I really it was it was different. You know, I liked I liked what they yeah. were doing, like Da Vinci and Tesla and all this other stuff like. It went kind of ape shit, you know what I mean? Which I always appreciate. Yeah, I enjoy that. I mean, I liked, you know, Legion, uh, the TV series with uh, Dan Stevens on FX. Mm. Uh, that was another X-Men adjacent thing. Um, I'm always going to recommend The Max. Please read The Max, at yeah. least the first 10 Max issues. It's amazing. That's a comic um, book? The MTV. It's a comic book from Image Comics, and there's an MTV animated series that you can find yeah. on Amazon Prime and other outlets uh, that profile the first 10 issues in cartoon form so that's a lot of fun um two more trash picks and then i'll be done um cool so john stamos if you like john stamos <laughs> was in a little movie called never too young to die all right i'm playing that now and it is john stamos <laughs> as a john a, like he's like he's the son of a james bond character not james bond but sure. a james bond character who dies and so he has to stop the villain who is Gene Simmons. From Kiss. <laughs> um, and so here's the thing. I need to disclaimer this for the modern day viewer. Um, it is a mildly transphobic movie. Oh. If you are triggered by that. How old do is it? Do not watch it. Is it an older uh, it movie? It is from the 80s. Okay, so that's ex- um, that explains that. Yeah, that explains that. Gene Simmons' character is a... Um, a I, I'm, I don't even want to say a transvestite or a transsexual person because they don't really know what they're saying in the movie yeah. to be able to have him be one thing over the other. 
Um, they say he is both man and woman, 100% man and 100% woman. Okay. Um, and so at times he's cross-dressing and at other times he's dressing like a man. Um, it's all very over the top and characterized. Um, I'm not big into that characterization. I'm not sitting there laughing about that um, because, sure. you know, right. my friends um, are dear to me and I don't like to laugh at that circumstance. But I do think the cornier parts of the movie, such as like a rocket launcher that was invented in a college dorm room <laughs> and a, um, a tracker that is actually bubble gum. Um, that is like a little mini microphone, but you chew it up first for it to work. I think those points are really funny. Um, and I think to I brought that one up to make the point of not devaluing something just because it may have one triggering aspect to it. Sure. Um, you know, and obviously if you don't like it, if you think it's offensive, absolutely don't watch it. Yeah. Absolutely don't. And don't support it. You know, vote with your money. Absolutely. Um, last trash pick is a little movie called JD's Revenge. Um, it was put out on Arrow Video in Blu-ray format recently. Um, and it is a what's called a black exploitation film. Yep. And again, I know I'm treading into very dangerous waters here. Um, that is a genre of film. And the way I view it is that it allowed African-American actors to get work in movies that were prominent um, with African-American people and actors in a time where they were not getting the work they deserved. Yeah. Um, but the, the films are very exploitive in nature and everyone involved agreed to be in them. Um, you know, it's like Rudy Ray Moore with Dolomite and Petey sure. Wheatstraw, the devil's son-in-law. Yeah. Um, like I know our friend uh, James Stanley Rainwater from SCAD. Yeah. Um, He's a great dude, and he and I really bonded over a lot of um, like really good black exploitation movies too. Okay. Um, so, but that's a good one, and the plot of it, just the logline, is a uh, a very nice, uh, law-abiding, pleasant man uh, gets possessed by the spirit of a uh, malignant pimp, and so he just suddenly starts becoming <laughs> this malignant pimp to everyone in his life, and um, yeah. And the the main actor in it is Glenn Turman. Um, he is a little known but very awesome, uh, really good actor. If you see him, you'll say, "Oh, that guy! I've seen him in yeah. a billion things." Yeah, Glenn Turman's oh, great, and he, he gives a really good performance. So I right, just I'll gotta, stop myself now. I, well, and this, this is what I'm going to say is, next time we have you on, we're going to start with yep. this kind of a segment because I feel like <laughs> this has been the best hey, part of the whole the show. Is no, I think the next time we have you on, I think you know if it's not uh, the the reunite of uh, you and Diego, it'll it, it's definitely going to be me and Rainwater either a coming back to you having having um, exposed ourselves to the stuff that you just recommended with our reactions to it, or we're just going to start throwing out stuff to you and saying like you know I'm really big into uh, what we do in the shadows. Is there anything like that? Oh, you know what yeah. I mean, like. And have you kind of riff on stuff and and start recommending because honestly, I, I feel like I I've got like a whole shit load of stuff now to take over my the rest of my week so I'm not bored in quarantine. So, um, while I do love the fact that we caught up for the first half, I definitely think that the strong suit of you, Joker, is 100% the guy who can point you in the direction you need to go. Not like a a, a muse, but like. 
I don't know. I want I want to say a librarian where someone says, "Hey, I'm looking for books on this," and you're like, "You want to go to this section," <laughs> but in the most endearing way. That's the way I'm trying to to equate it. Um, this has been a blast for me. I can't wait to have yeah. you back on. I'm yeah. so glad that you decided to come on. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, you're um, welcome. My pleasure. So next time we are definitely going to get more woo-woo. Um, that's a word that I yeah. have not heard in a long time, but I love it. We're going to get more woo-woo. We're going to get more philosophical with some of the stuff because I think that's where our meat and potatoes of uh, our audience is, is they want to hear the philosophy stuff that we're talking about. But we also want to get new stuff into our lives and joker is the guy to go to for that stuff for me at least uh and and to be honest with you before matt was joker was on here rainwater was kind of the guy dropping references to shit that i was like i don't know what he's talking about i want to look that up afterwards but now like rainwater's the guy <laughs> making notes so that should be yeah. that should be everything that the audience needs to know about the power of uh matt the joker uh in terms of his references his knowledge his depth of uh, knowing that something might be trash, but just because it's trash, it doesn't mean it's not worth something. One man's what's what's the expression? One's man trash is another man's treasure, something like that. You got it. Um, you know, I, I, like I'm I'm hoping to God. I don't know. Are, are you subscribed to Shutter? Yes. Do you watch the the last drive-in with Joe Bob? Oh yeah, love Joe Bob Briggs. Okay, because I'm obsessed with that, and no one else that I know is obsessed with it. So we're gonna have to riff on that for a little while, because like that to me, that has been the the trash reference movies for me in your absence. <laughs> it's just been going to that stuff and seeing like, wow, this fucking movie is bonkers. I like, I, and I've watched a couple of them. There was one with a clown that I, it wasn't because of the clown thing and the Joker like relationship, but it was just like. Um, I knew when I was watching it, I was like, Joker's fucking seen this. I know he's fucking seen this. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like oh, one of those think, things. Was it Killer Clowns from Outer Space? No, 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 no. Oh, it was something. Was it, it was... Drive-In? Drive-Through? It was, it was on the last drive-in. It was something. I want to feel like it was the guy's one and only movie. It was He was like a career clown, and they just gave him a movie. Uh, I want to say it was Blood Harvest. I want to say that's what it was oh, called. Oh, yeah, Blood Harvest, yeah. And I watched that, and I was like, this is a movie that Joker would have shown me if we were still at SCAD, <laughs> and he knew what a horror fiend I was these days. Oh, about clowns. Have you seen Clown? I, I'm i aware of it. I have not. Is it worth Check out the horror movie Clown. It's a very cool thing. It treats clowns as a mythical, mythological creature instead of as... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to check this out now. Yeah, it's pretty good. It I'm starts ha- with a guy getting a clown suit yeah, out of like a trunk he finds in his attic that was not his. It just came with the house. But um, let's just say some some interesting things happen to him once he puts oh. a suit on. I'm going to add one more recommendation since we're on clowns. Um, <laughs> baskets. Have any of y'all seen Baskets? Yes. I have not. I've fucking one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. It it's stars Zach Galifian. Oh, I've heard Louis of this. Anderson I've never watched it. Um, uh, yeah, it's so good. It's like one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. Noted. All right, well, that's going to be it for us here at the Spaghetti Factory. Um, we will see you guys next week. Joker, thank you again for coming on. Rainwater, my brother as always. always. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Later, y'all. See you.